episode 120, bonus edition, interview with Kitty Boytnot. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. This is Gretchen from Always a Lesson here to empower you to reach your potential. I refer to you listeners as elite educators because that description elite means you are someone that takes the time to invest in yourself like listening to a podcast just like this one. That way you can hone your craft. Well, today's a special day because we have a guest appearance. I want to help you reignite your passion and potential by learning from another elite educator named Kitty Boytnot. She has got quite an empowering message. I'm super excited for this interview to be released. I recorded it quite some time ago, but I know many of you are in a position of distress or transition, and this episode is going to speak life into your situation. You no longer need to wake up with that empty feeling inside, thinking, I have this teaching talent, but I'm not sure what to do with it. I'm being told I'm not good enough, or I feel I'm not good enough, or I feel like this isn't the right fit, or I feel like I'm no longer interested. This wonderful elite educator kitty is going to tell you exactly what you need to do so that you can utilize your talent in another way. She's absolutely inspiring I can't wait for you to learn more, but before I do, let me share a little bit with you about her background. So Kitty is a National Board Certified Teacher. I love that. She also has her PhD, but she's a former educator who has now become a career transition and job search coach. She's an expert on teacher burnout, teacher stress, and just general stress management techniques for those of us who are kind of experiencing the pain and the heartache of teacher burnout, which is a very specific form of burnout that really differs to some degree from job burnout of other professionals. Well, Kitty provides one-on-one and group coaching specifically for teachers who are ready to break free of the stifling confines of today's classroom. And with her assistance, those that she's helping explore their career alternatives learn effective job search strategies, and ultimately change their career path for a new, more satisfying direction. Well, one of Kitty's strengths is that she understands teachers and their burnout firsthand because from 2008 to 2012, after a 33-year career, holy cow, as a teacher and elementary school library media specialist, She served as president of the Virginia Education Association, which is Virginia's largest teacher association. And so she was serving over 55,000 members across the Commonwealth. Well, during that time, she traveled all over the state and she talked with hundreds of teachers about the teaching conditions that they were facing. And since leaving this position, she started her own coaching enterprise. She has talked with dozens of individuals who are now seeking to make a change in their career because of their own burnout, their own boredom, and their own disillusionment. So as an expert on teacher burnout, Kitty also offers workshops for teacher groups and school divisions on stress management techniques 
that teachers can use in an effort to ward off those symptoms of burnout. So like I said, you teachers who are in transition or distress, this gal is for you. So let's go ahead and dive into the interview. Well, hey, Kitty, thanks so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Of course. Well, elite educators are tuning in. They're excited just to hear what you have to share today. So I'm going to jump right to it if you don't mind. That's quite all right. Okay. So why don't you start, just fill us in. How did you and I connect? How did our paths cross? Okay. Well, I found you through my effort to find and connect with education leaders. I think I probably found you specifically on EduChat. Does that sound familiar? Uh, along with a number of other uh, education leaders, thought leaders in the education field. And I went to LinkedIn from there and reached out to connect. When you accepted my invitation, I sent you a quick message as to what it is that I do. And you responded with, that's so great. I would like to talk to you on my podcast. And that's how we got to how we got to be here. Yeah, I don't want to spoil the story because I know you're going to share it, but I was super excited because one of the types of teachers that listens are these people in transition, and I know that's really your focus, and I thought yes. this is the perfect person to come share that there is this information, this outlet, this support system for you when you're going through this. So I won't spoil because right. I know you're going to walk us through that. Um, sure. But uh, let's start from the very basic. What is your current position in the educational field? Mm. Well, my current position would be career coach, uh, job search coach to teachers who are experiencing burnout and are considering the possibility that there are other things that they could be doing besides teaching. My philosophy is that a burnt out teacher isn't having any fun, and that means their students aren't having any fun. Right. And it's best if you if you truly feel like and I've even had people tell me, I need to get out before I hurt someone. <laughs> um, and I'm only half joking when she said it. I help the people who feel like they can't find the work-life balance that they need. They can't pay attention to their own family because they are so involved in, this, in their students. And it's, it becomes unhealthy. And they begin to think in terms of what could I do that I could be getting as it paid as well, but also have a little life beyond my work. So that's what I help them to explore. And sometimes they have an idea when they come to me. Sometimes they have no clue what they might like to do next. And so we begin an exploration process that I help them through. Well, I bet you have no shortage of clients. I do not have <laughs> a shortage of clients. So in fact, I've been, I became so worried about it, Gretchen, that um, in the middle of this past school year, there was such an uptick in messages that I was receiving, phone calls that I was getting, appointments that were people were making, that I went to the Board of Education in Virginia. I happen to live in, in Virginia, and I live near the Capitol, and I was uh, for four years before I started this job, I was president of the Virginia Education Association. So I know the folks who are at the, at the policy level in the State Department, and I know many of the members of the Board of Education. So I went and spoke during their public uh, speaking period, 
and offered that I was growing concerned that if everybody is getting so burnt out that they're looking to leave, who's going to be left to teach? And we need good teachers to stay and to contribute their best work in the best way that they can. And the people who are at the policy level need to be doing something to relieve all of the stress that so many teachers are feeling. And they listened sympathetically, but they didn't seem to have any ideas. So I left there feeling frustrated and concerned about you know, continuing stories of teacher shortages. And the fact of the matter is, there are plenty of teachers. There is no shortage of teachers. The problem is that there's a shortage of people who want to teach in, in certain areas. And, um, and that's something that policymakers could address if they would, but they seem bent on creating policies that are anti-teacher and not even always in the best interest of children. It's very frustrating, very frustrating. Doing before this role, then were you still in education? I, I was. I was uh, from 2008 to 2012. I served as the elected president of the Virginia Education Association, which meant I was the face and the spokesperson for the 55,000 members of the Virginia Education Association all across the Commonwealth of Virginia. So I traveled a lot. I was. Um, lobbying General Assembly members a lot during the sessions each of the four years that I was in that role. I presided over board meetings and trainings. I did a lot of traveling. And that's where I began to experience my own sense of burnout and began to understand the problem of not creating work-life balance. That job was 24-7 for the whole four years that I was in that position, I happened to take that take on that role just as the economy started to crash. We started to lose members by the hundreds each month for the first year that I was president because jobs simply disappeared, you know, because of the budget restrictions. So I was exhausted and just unable to see myself returning to the classroom at the end of my term. Before that, for 33 years. I was, I refer to myself as a teacher, but I was a librarian, mm -hmm. school library media specialist um, for, for all of my career. And then for three years in my 20s, I was a half-day assistant librarian in a junior high school, and I taught sixth grade language arts. And it was that experience that made me know that when I was about to be assigned to a middle school to teach English, in 2012, I just didn't have the energy or the stamina to take on that role. And yeah. so I took early retirement. I had certainly not planned to retire at the end of my term at the VEA. My intention had been to return to a school, hopefully as the library media specialist. And I, they didn't have a position for me. So English mm, hadn't taught since 1980. I just didn't think I'd be able to bring 100% to that role. So uh, that's what led me to this particular transition. Well, that makes sense. And you're doing mm -hmm. such an amazing thing for the profession that it's almost mm -hmm. like your your dreams were bigger than you even realized at the time. Yeah, I think that's also true. And in addition to the career coaching, I also offer um, stress management workshops 
for school divisions, education associations, any group where they have people who are experiencing an inordinate amount of stress. And these days, that's almost everybody, frankly. Right. I, I do workshops for the Virginia Municipal Court Clerks Association um, each year on one, one topic is work-life balance, and the other is stress management. And they eat it up. Um, I'm scheduled to speak at the Virginia Education Association Professional Development Conference this fall. And, um, and I would love to expand that and do more of that work as well. If teachers can learn how to manage their stress and be proactive about it and do it as you know, effectively as they possibly can, they can at least delay the sense of burnout and perhaps stay in the profession longer, which would benefit everyone concerned. It's expensive when teachers leave. And it's and and it takes a toll on students to have a new teacher every year, oh, yeah. instead of having an experienced veteran teacher who's honed their skills and have have taken their skill to the next level. Yeah, so. that's a good point. Well, thinking about when you first meet with a teacher, I know you said there's kind of a system in place of what you do, mm -hmm. but what is kind of your general advice for this bucket of teachers that are in this sense of distress? They haven't made their decision, or maybe they have, and they're just really not sure what to do. What do you generally say to them? Well, I start out with, go back to, if, if, if they come to me and they say, I'm burnt out, I can't do this anymore. I even had one young woman tell me, I just feel used up. So when you start to feel that way, and she also said, I don't have time for even for my husband. She was a relative newlywed. So I will suggest, okay, so if, and a lot of the people come to me, they, they always thought they wanted to be a teacher. They, they, they were teaching when they were in kindergarten, you know, they had the classroom set up and they were teaching their teddy bears and dolls. Yeah. It's, it's quite a shock to them to even begin to consider the possibility that there might be something else for them to do. And they also struggle with this idea, well, there's nothing for me. I'm just a teacher. So I have to remind them that they've got loads of transferable skills. Right. The trick is figuring out how to take the skills that they've developed as a teacher and market them in such a way that they can make themselves attractive to a nonprofit or a business or even at the education policy level, which some of them are interested in pursuing. Uh, research is certainly an area that a lot of them express an interest in. So I will take them through an inventory. Um, I recommend a battery of assessments that help them to get in touch with what their purpose, what their true purpose might be that goes beyond teaching. Uh, the sense of mission that they have, what they want to accomplish while they're here on this planet. And, and then we start from there. And one of, the, one of the things that I will often encourage them to do is to go back and think when they, when they were children, five, six, seven years old, before someone told them they couldn't do what it was that they wanted, what did they really want to do? Did they want to be a writer or a singer or a dancer? Um, a musician, you know, most times, especially in my generation, I don't know about yours, but we got the message, you need, you need skills so you can get a job. 
you have musical talent, that's great. That's a good hobby. But it's not something you can make a living doing. And I really think we do young people a disservice when we discourage them from sharing their gifts. Um, and so I encourage them to get in touch with their their inner wisdom, their their true aptitude, what they what they go into a zone doing. Those are clues as to what it is that they should be doing in addition to or instead of teaching. And in a lot of ways, I'm still teaching. I'm just teaching adults and I'm teaching a different curriculum. But it's still very much a teaching role that I've that I've kept for myself. Well, absolutely. And I think you're letting them know, like, hey, just because you want to leave the classroom doesn't mean you're leaving education. Exactly. Exactly. And and that, you know, that will alleviate some of the guilt that they feel. And that that was really part of the reason I started this business. If if someone is truly burnt out, I don't want them to feel so guilty about leaving that they hang on in spite of their burnout and that they wind up perhaps doing harm to themselves and their health. Or, you know, the, a flippant remark, the roll of your eyes, uh, put down that comes too quickly to a teacher who is irritated, can wound a child for years and, or for their, for their entire lives, frankly. And if I can help someone avoid making that kind of impact, negative impact on a child, then I want to be doing that. I love that. Well, I know that you're helping someone kind of learn their own lessons and put the pieces mm -hmm. together, but thinking about yourself being a leader in this role, has there been a lesson you've kind of learned along this journey of yours that you think could be helpful to share? Oh, gosh. There are so many. What One of the main ones is like you, you, you nailed it earlier. There was a bigger picture for myself, a bigger vision for myself in my own transition than I had envisioned for myself. And I think that's true for everybody. Being able to get in touch with our true purpose is a gift that is beyond words to even be able to express. If you can feel like you're doing work that you were born to do. It just doesn't get much better than that. Right. And when you are teaching and in that role, you can feel on top. I mean, I've, I've had those moments where I felt on top of the world. I knew I was making a positive impact. I had a great rapport for my, you know, with my students. I felt a true, um, allegiance to their growth and doing the best that I could by them. But when you lose that, when you begin to feel like you're just too tired to continue to give 100%, then it's time to think about, okay, so I contributed significantly in that area, but there are so many other things that maybe I could be doing where I could be truly happy and find that balance that's so elusive for so many of us. And thinking about these educators that you're really helping them transition to their greater purpose, as you were just mm -hmm. kind of mentioning, what mm -hmm. attributes are you noticing make an educator great? They're not feeling great at the moment, but they actually have these skills, like you were mentioning, transferable skills mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. this next part of the journey. And what are those skills that you've noticed? 
Well, every teacher has the has interpersonal skills. Um, if they don't, they're the ones that leave in the first two or three years. If they they don't have the capacity to be generous and to be um, able to connect with young people, then they leave sooner rather than later. So for the teachers, most of the teachers who come to me are somewhere between year 12 and 20. And they've been successful. In some cases, they've been extremely successful. They're national board certified. And they're drawn to me because I'm also national board certified. Congratulations. Thank you. But they feel like there has to be something else, something more that they could be doing. They just reached the point where I don't see myself doing this for another 10 or 15 years. And so what else can I do? So interpersonal skills, strong communication skills, the ability to multitask, which, you know, there's growing research that indicates that none of us multitask as well as we'd like to think that we do. <laughs> uh, but teachers do manage a multitude of tasks in a given hour, <laughs> much less in a given day. Um, they are juggling lots of plates and managing lots of different things uh, on any given day that they're in the classroom. So it's possible for them to translate some of those skills into project management, for example. Um, many of the project management roles require some training. But honestly, if a teacher's looking to reinvent themselves completely, they probably need to think in terms of additional training, courses online even, courses that they could take. Um, coaching is certainly an area. Uh, one of my clients had a particular passion about health and fitness. And so I encouraged her to look into a nutrition and fitness certification so that she could become a corporate wellness coach. Uh, those are just a few of the kinds of things that people have transitioned to. I had one client who has a PhD in philosophy, and um, he kept writing to me about these big picture visions that he had for a message that he wanted to share. And I finally said to him, have you ever thought about the ministry? Because it's, it feels like you have a, a, a sort of a spiritual slash religious view that you feel very passionate about and that you might enjoy sharing. And he wrote me back. He said, that's so interesting that you would suggest that. My wife said she could totally see me <laughs> as, a, as a minister, but not as a traditional denominational minister. He had an interest in Buddhism. So when our work terminated, he was still teaching, but he was pursuing the, the idea of becoming a Buddhist teacher and um, someone who could share meditation with a following and, you know, do that kind of work. And there's a growing need for that. People are looking more and more for meditation guides and gurus. And so there are places for people who can do that kind of work as well. So the, the bottom line is that the possibilities are actually limitless. It's just a matter of where do does a particular person who has hap, happens to have teaching as their background, 
where is it that they can feel that they are contributing on a, a greater scale and they're staying aligned with their core values and their true talents and aptitudes and natural born gifts. This is much more encouraging than when you think of someone in burnout. I mean, this now makes them feel like there is a next chapter. Oh, yes. And that's the whole point. You know, I ask people, so what do you want to do next? And it may not even be their last job. If, if someone in their 30s comes to me for help, I will tell them this may not be your last. You know, they, they'll land. I had my most recent client who, who was something of a phenomena because she landed in seven weeks. The average job search is much longer than that. It takes anywhere from four to nine months from start to finish, depending on the level of transition the individual needs. I have had people take as long as 18 months to find their ideal position. But in this one case, she came to me in late April, early May, and she had landed by June, mid-June, June 13th. And she had been wide open to, to whatever the experience of working with me might bring. Uh, and she felt, she even wrote to me, she said, I, my, the spring is already back in my step. I already feel reinvigorated. This investment has been valuable to me already. And that was the first week that we had been working together. So she landed in mid-June, and what she said was that for her, the benefit was knowing that there was something else that she could do and giving herself permission to look at all of her options, some of which she hadn't even thought about until we started working together. And she started to get in touch with what her core values were. You know, we are so busy these days doing, busy, 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 doing this, doing that, being involved in this, that, and the other, that we, for, we forget who we are. Sometimes we lose track of what it is we really wanted to be doing in the first place. And in the case of a lot of teachers, 20 years, you wake up, oh my gosh, there must be something else I could be doing besides this. And there is. It's just that you have to be willing to be open to it and explore and, and in some cases be willing to retrain and retool. Uh, in my case, I had to go get coaching certifications. And um, I've, I've followed different people who've had similar backgrounds and have reinvented themselves in other ways and have learned from them, have let them mentor me. Um, so the, the, the opportunities are certainly there. I don't have a cookie-cutter approach. People who come to me wanting me to give them a list of you know, the top 20 jobs that teachers can translate, uh, translate themselves to or transition to, I don't, I'm not that person. I'm more individualized. Let's see what's in your best interest, what you were born to do. Um, because I think that's where they have the most success and the most satisfaction. Yeah, you want it to be a long-term solution. You don't want to be Absolutely, absolutely. Now, like I said, sometimes the jobs are transition jobs. In the case of the client who landed in mid-June, she got a great job, and she may stay there forever. On the other hand, 
She will be learning new skills in this new job that she might be able to translate into something even better right. later because she's young enough. And, and the economy is changing so fast. Jobs that didn't even exist 10 years ago are currently all the rave. Who knows what the jobs of 2030 or 2040 are going to be? More and more people are moving to entrepreneurial roles or consultancies. Um, people who are retiring or at retirement age, like myself, still feel like we have plenty to contribute. So many of us are setting up shop, not just as coaches, but as consultants. And we're offering our experience and expertise to companies cor or corporations and nonprofits who can benefit from the lessons we've learned over our long careers. So, you know, at the end of the day, if someone is feeling like, gosh, I'm not sure if I want to continue to teach for another 10 years, um, they, they owe it th to themselves to start exploring and not delay. And I've, I've used the, the analogy that I ran across recently. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. <laughs> the next best time is today. And the same goes for career transition. If you were thinking long term 20 years ago, you might already be ready to move from teaching into a new career. If you haven't thought about it until now, there's no point in crying over, you know, water over the dam, but there is an incentive to start taking action today so that you can start the transition that you want for your own future. Well, you certainly are a fantastic mentor. Well, I would, I hope so. That's <laughs> my... Who do you go to for your own mentorship? Well, I've had a business coach that I have relied on in, in recent months and have found him to be as far as, you know, business, because as a, as a former teacher, what did I know about starting a business? Uh, and so he, he's been a, a great mentor and accountability partner. And that's what people sometimes need, somebody just to help keep them on track. As far as education mentors and the ones that I look to for inspiration and guidance in the field of education, which I absolutely keep up with because you know, the people who are in my tribe are educators. I am a huge fan of Diane Ravitch. I read her blog regularly um, and love all of her work. I've heard her speak several times since she wrote, uh, uh, what was it called, The Death of American Education? <laughs> Uh, probably about 10 years ago by now. Uh, I also have a, uh, from from the NEA world, the National Education Association world and the Virginia Education Association world, a woman named Mary Hatwood Futrell, who is now a professor at, um, oh gosh, I don't, George Washington University maybe. She's in D.C., she was a Virginia native, the first African-American woman president of the Virginia Education Association, and the first African-American woman president of the National Education Association. And I credit her with my having stayed in education as long as I did. I was on the verge of, of not burnout, but just feeling like there was something else 
for me when I was at around year nine in the mid 80s. And I went to an NEA convention and Mary spoke to her vision. She was president of the NEA at the time. She spoke to her vision of the National Board for Professional Teaching Standards. And she so inspired me that day with that one speech that I, I vowed to myself that I would stay with teaching, that I wanted to be part of that movement, that I wanted one day to be a National Board Certified Teacher. And so I decided in that moment to stay with education and not look anymore for outside uh, possibilities. I threw myself 100% into teaching and into education leadership, both as a local and state leader in my education association. And I had no idea that I would have to wait 15 years for my standards to be written and released. But that's how long it took them to get around to library media standards. I, um, I became a sort of national board certified teacher in 2003, uh, a long held dream. And then I recertified in 2012. So I'm a huge fan of that process and believe that it helps teachers take their practice to the next level. I also mentor and coach national board candidates who want and need that kind of help. Very cool. Yeah, I agree. It was the best reflection process I had ever done, and mm -hmm. I think it was better than getting my master's. It really forces you with the kids you have right now to make decisions right now, yeah. and um, I encourage anyone to do it, and I'm glad that they now have someone they can call and say, hey, right. I'm thinking about doing right. this. Help me. <laughs> well, I have said, I, I teach a course at the University of Richmond, and I have said to my each of the classes as I've taught them uh, and shared with them. If I, I have two advanced degrees, two master's degrees, plus a PhD in educational leadership and I'm national board certified. Good gracious. If I were forced somehow for some reason to give back all of my advanced certifications and degrees, except for one, I would give up everything except national board. And the reason is exactly what you said. It caused me to reflect in a way that none of my graduate courses did. And the other piece of it is that you are, you're being assessed and judged by your peers. Right. You know, anybody can get a, get a PhD, frankly, but not everybody gets national board certification That's right. because it is a rigorous process that is overseen by our colleagues and our peers. And so it means a lot to me to be national board certified. And as a result of my sharing that with my last class, one of my students who graduated in May contacted me to tell me she was starting the process this fall. And so I have agreed to be her critical reader and mentor through that process. So I'm excited for her. That's great. It's taking that role on so well it's talking about how that's made you a better teacher and, and just person overall really is how I felt about the process mm -hmm. if you yeah. were to reflect back on your teaching career is there a moment where you feel like oh this is like my our all-star teacher moment you know I, I have had many moments like that but the, the, the moments that come to mind the fastest when you ask a question like that um, early 
early in my career, I was um, assigned to an elementary school where I loved the principal, I loved the staff, I loved the kids. And I remember walking through my little library, it wasn't anything fancy, just joyously in, in gratitude thinking, you know, I love this work and they're paying, I'm getting paid to do this. I would do it for free and they're paying me to do it. And in that same year, I had this just lovely little interaction with this little boy. Um, and uh, gosh, I've even forgotten his name. I, he, he came to the library. He was in the second grade, little African-American boy, just as cute as a button. And he, for whatever reason, he had decided that day he was going to interview me. It felt like an interview. He was just asking me all kinds of questions about where did you come from and what, <laughs> why do, why are you doing this job? Do you like this job? You know, why do you do this job? And you know, we were just sort of back and forth. And then all of a sudden he said, hey, Miss Boytnot, you know President Lincoln? And I said, Abraham Lincoln? And I said, yes. And he said, were you were you alive when he was president? <laughs> and, I, I started to laugh and I said, are you pulling my leg? And he said, no, I'm not yanking on your leg, were you? <laughs> and it was just, you know, it was a fabulous moment where I felt like, okay, this is a reminder that he, he's, A, he's taking me literally, B, he thinks I'm old enough to be <laughs> alive when President Lincoln was president, and C, he's just, he was curious. He was just ravishly curious about this new person who had shown up. And I, you know, like I said, I still don't know what triggered all that curiosity, but that was a year that really made a huge imprint on me. Not only was I able to be the librarian, but the principal asked me if I would take on five kindergartners who were ready to start reading and their teacher just couldn't fit it into her busy schedule. She had so many kids who were low enough that she was trying to get them up to speed. And then she had these five little kindergartners who were you know, ready to start reading. In fact, one of them tested out she was already reading at the fourth grade level. Wow. And um, so I took, I, I, in spite of the objection of my supervisor, who was not thrilled about my taking that role on, because she was afraid that might open a Pandora's box and I might be teaching something else down the road. Uh, I took on that role and it was so gratifying to watch those children learn to read with my help. Um, and that was another just a bonus of being able to do that work. So I, I was blessed that during my teaching career, for the most part, I loved, I loved it. There, now my, I had principles that I didn't love necessarily, but the job, and I always said that being a librarian was the best job in the building, and I still still think that's probably true. Um, but I also became acutely aware of the growing demands, and not I am certainly not against accountability, but accountability that's gone uh, completely amok using tests that were never designed to be used the way they're currently using them, using arbitrary benchmarks to measure both children and teachers 
achievement and ability to perform. I think we've gone off the rails, frankly, uh, policy-wise. And I think a large part of that is the cause of increasing burnout for teachers. Um, when you continue to raise the bar and make it impossible for people to be successful, you know, that's a, that's a sure recipe for creating more stress and more burnout. And it's almost like that's what they want. They want to drive talented teachers out because they just want people who will do whatever they tell them to do, read the script, do this, do that. Um, and then if, if they don't perform, they're out. And I don't know where they think they're going to continue to get people, quality people, talented people, people who are truly passionate about teaching when they are so abusive of tea. And that, that's, that's how I feel about the current system. It's abusive. And in many cases, teachers have been set up to fail. And it, it just, it breaks my heart, um, which is part of the reason I couldn't go back into that system. And I want to help others escape it if, if they feel like they need to escape. Well, Kitty, I do want to be respectful of your time. So before I let you go, I want to ask you one more question. Mm -hmm. And that's just how do you reignite your passion and your potential as an educator? Well, in my case, it's easy because I'm absolutely doing what I love to do. Yeah. Um, and I, again, I, I would do a lot of what I currently do for free, but it's a business, so I have to have to come up with a schedule, a, a fee for what I charge for my time and experience and expertise. Um, for me, I, I get recharged by doing a lot of internal spiritual work. And that translates into my whole life as, as, a, as a person and as an educator. You know, being an educator is not just a role. It's a part of who you are. Once you're an educator, if, if it's part of your DNA, you can't get rid of it. Right. So the different things that I do to nurture myself as an educator is to um, read spiritual types of um, books and articles, to listen to meditations. I have a little routine I go through each morning where I read from a couple of guides that I am fond of, and then I reflect on the lesson of the day. Um, and, and that's what keeps me recharged. That and, um, and following, like I said, the mentors that I find to be um, inspirational. I, I didn't mention uh, two colleagues of mine who are also education bloggers who inspire me uh, on a regular basis. Nancy Flanagan, who writes for um, Edu Education Week. She's a blogger. Her, the name of her blog is Teacher in a Strange Land. And I don't know if you're familiar with her or not, but she's phenomenal. And then Mary Tedrow is a colleague of mine here in Virginia who um, is a fantastic writer and blogger and thought leader in the world of education, and I follow her work as well. So I stay interconnected. You now, my course that I teach at the University of Richmond helps me to stay 
in touch with teachers who are seeking their master's degrees uh, in curriculum and instruction. And, um, and, I, and I get a chance to talk with people from all over the country, uh, some of whom, after talking with me or working with me, decide to stay in teaching. We just figure out how to make a better situation for them. Sometimes it's just as simple as finding a transfer uh, from, from one school to another or from one district to another. Um, so I stay ch charged and energized by um, those people and, and their work. Well, I know I'm inspired. I know elite educators who are going through the transition are inspired. They're going to be excited to connect with you. Speaking of that, why don't you share how they can get in touch with you? Sure. Oh, that's, that's a great thank you. Uh, they can certainly find me uh, on my website at teachersintransition.com. They can also contact me by email at kittyvoitnot at gmail.com. Perfect. Well, guys, start connecting with Kitty today. Kitty, thanks so much. Uh, I look Thank forward you, to chatting Rich. with you again soon. Right. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Woohoo! Holy cow. Wasn't that an exciting episode? We haven't really talked about this taboo topic ever really. <laughs> so I'm a little nervous to release it, but I know so many of you are going to be like, amen, hallelujah. Like finally someone who's speaking to my soul and Kitty is just the sweetest person ever that I truly hope you take a moment out of your day to reach out to her on social media or through email and just pick her brain for your current situation. And she might be able to give you some suggestions of how to cope and, you know, the stress management strategies and help you really dream bigger than your current situation because not everyone is supposed to be in the classroom forever and that's okay. Some of us need the classroom experience so that our next chapter we can utilize and draw on that experience to help others and so that may be where you are. You don't have to throw in the towel completely and Kitty's going to help you figure out, okay, what are my transferable skills? What am I truly passionate about? What does this new chapter look like for me? Like I said, such an empowering message from Kitty. So glad she was able to take time out of her day to speak to y'all. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Kitty Boytnot. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. This podcast is a member of the Education Podcast Network, a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to edupodcastnetwork.com for more details. <laughs> <laughs>